This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This episode, episode 190, Fly Fishing Accusations, part 19, is being recorded in a car. Hopefully the sound is good. The sound's been a little bit squirrely as of late. I am aware of it. I've tried to make people aware of it that are on the other end of the podcast, and hopefully it can get straightened out. But that's not really what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is what you want to talk about today, and actually what you've been talking about for the last few weeks because on an accusations podcast, I have an opportunity to interact with what you have been writing, what you have been tweeting, what you have been sending me over at castingacross.com. So whether you're a listener or you're a reader, I'm always happy to get feedback and uh, in any sort of comments that you may have, and even an accusation if one were to come up. So you can always send those over to me at Matthew at castingacross.com. But I am out of town, and I have a little bit of a break in my schedule, and so I am doing this in the car. So again, hopefully it sounds good. My first email comes from Jeremy. And Jeremy's got a long email, but it's a good email. All right, here we go. Hi, Matthew. I'm a relatively new fly angler. I came across your podcast a few weeks ago, and I was looking for podcast episodes about fishing small streams. I've been listening nonstop since. I've learned quite a lot and appreciate all of your content. Thank you. I don't get an opportunity to go fishing too often, as I'm pretty busy and don't have a lot of free time or much trout water nearby. The waterways that are close are small streams with a lot of cover. I've tried to fish them a couple times with my 9-foot, 5-weight Orvis Clearwater. It's been difficult casting and maneuvering, to say the least. When I do travel to fish, I like to fish small, higher-elevation streams, but even with casting room, I have found this rod to be too overpowered for the small trout I've landed. I'm looking for a smaller 3-weight rod. I've had my eye on the Reddington Butterstick, 7-foot, 3-weight, for a long time, but it's been out of my price range. So after reading about your recommendations, I became interested in the Risen Fly Genesis 7.5-foot, 3-weight. Now Reddington has come out with a newer version of the Butterstick, 
and I can get the older model for less expensive. So here's my question, which one do I get? Keep in mind, I want to fish small streams with possible heavy cover and stealth required. Will the white color of the butter stick ruin my attempts to be stealthy? Is it too slow to cast in tight quarters? Is one better for beginners and weekend warriors? Thanks again, Jeremy. Fantastic email, Jeremy. I love it. So I already responded to Jeremy with some brief thoughts for him, but I'd like to take this as, as an opportunity to kind of walk through something that I've talked about before on the podcast, but I think is really important because I get a lot of questions about this, both from people online and in person, uh, people who have listened to something I've said, people who have read something I've written, and even just my friends who are getting into fly fishing uh, around me. And so he is essentially asking uh, a, a number of questions, but the first thing he's commenting on is something that is is a very good good thing to comment on. A nine foot five weight is maybe a little overkill. I don't think it always is, but it might be overkill on small streams. But it's also a very difficult rod to not only maneuver, but to cast. I mean, there may be places where you need the extra foot and a half of vertical headspace as you're even just walking down the stream side uh, and, and having a shorter rod can be helpful. But the next thing he asks is basically, um, well, let me go with this one. Uh, will the white color of the butter stick ruin my attempts to be stealthy? I, I don't think so. I know there's people out there that that will say everything needs to be drab, everything has to be olive or brown or some color like that. I think that is absolute nonsense. Um, I think that you could use a neon orange fly rod uh, as long as it is not shiny. I think shiny is a bigger deal, but even that is a very, very small uh, part of the equation. Your, uh, your, your, profile uh, against the backdrop of whatever that fish is looking at is ultimately what matters. So if you're stationary, it doesn't matter what color you're wearing, um, particularly if the water has some sort of movement on it. If it's a, it's a crystal clear and deadly still water, I think maybe there would be reason to, to cut back on how loud your apparel is or your gear is. But under normal angling situations, and the kind of situation that Jeremy was talking about here, where it is high elevation and there's a very good chance that you're going to be at a lower angle than the fish, the fish are going to be in cover, and so they're not looking around necessarily. They're not going to notice a change in their environment at, from where they're sitting. From where they're sitting, they're probably just looking straight in front of them. They haven't noticed you come into, into their you know, range of view, your color isn't going to matter that much. Similarly, um, you, you know, the, the flash isn't going to be that significant on a, a fly rod if making small casts. So have you ever been underwater and looked up? First of all, there's distortion. And again, fish are used to that. So they're able to, to, to cope and compensate and all those things. But you know, the, something as thin as a fly rod moving back and forth is not going to make that much of a difference. Um, I've talked about colors of fly lines uh, on the podcast before, and I think that's an even even a less of a big deal because as that line is sitting on the surface of the water, uh, the the not only is the color mitigated by that contrast that's being created from the surface tension, as well as any sort of ambient light that is, is shining down on, on that fly line, but you also have the issue of how color is distorted and, and is particularly when it's something small and thin. And fly line and fly rod would certainly factor into that. All that to say, I don't think fly rod color matters that much at all. I, I know a lot of people who fish with very bright fiberglass rods and just do great. So that answers that question. 
but you know what? If it's a confidence thing, if you are going to be really tentative as far as approach and casting because of your perceived uh, handicap because of a white fly rod, then don't do that. Because if that's going to be in the back of your head all the time, then you know I can't fix that. Anyway, as far as the uh, graphite versus fiberglass, I would say go graphite if you are new. And here's why. I wrote an article about this last week, week before last, uh, yeah, week before last, called Three Reasons to Pass on Glass. But basically comes down to if you are newer, you're going to have a better casting stroke diagnostic tool with a graphite rod versus a fiberglass rod. That doesn't mean you can't learn to cast on a slower action. And again, just if, if, if you're a beginner, if you don't have much experience with anything besides one particular material, the three main materials for fly rods being fiberglass, graphite, and bamboo. Uh, graphite, although it can be built to be very, very slow, generally speaking, is going to be a quicker casting tool. That's to say that the action required to generate the line speed that is necessary to make a cast. So your backward stroke to get the line behind you and your forward stroke to straighten that line out in front of you is going to be a faster stroke than with something like fiberglass or bamboo, both of which have a slower profile. And again, tapers can be constructed, rods can be built with fiberglass and with, um, with bamboo that they are faster. But generally speaking, they are going to be slower. But like I said before, it's a better diagnostic tool if you're a new angler to be able to figure out what's wrong with your cast if you have a more medium fast action fly rod, which you're going to find easier in the fiberglass, or excuse me, the graphite selections. Um, there's a lot more to that. I could spend a lot of time talking about why I think that that is the best kind of rod to learn on uh, is a medium fast action graphite rod. But uh, here's a more appropriate and more applicable answer to Jeremy's question about where he's going to be fishing. And I've talked about this, I feel like ad nauseum, but again, I know not everybody listens to everything I've ever said or written. I think that line control, particularly on your back cast, is one of the most underrated aspects of fishing small streams. One of the biggest reasons that people get frustrated about fishing small streams is because they're getting hung up in streamside vegetation uh, as well as in the canopy above them. Uh, that, that's why a lot of people see these tiny streams that so many of us talk about and are excited about as far as finding brook trout or little cutthroat trout. And they see these streams and think, why and how would you even fish such a thing? I have a trouble casting on the, you know, an open stream bank, let alone something where there's rhododendrons and, and pine boughs all over the place. Well, to mitigate the problems that you're going to encounter with getting hung up, if you can throw more controlled back casts with tighter loops, you're able to move that line into a much tighter window. And you can accomplish that better with a quicker fly rod, and you can find that more readily in graphite. So hopefully that answers the question. Now, the particular rods that he gave, I love. Uh, Butterstick is a great rod. I've fished the second generation uh, one weight and four weight, and actually own the one weight. And I believe the third generation uh, four weight is showing up in my hands any time now. But I think those are great rods. I absolutely love them. And they're actually not super slow, at least the first and second generation, compared to some of the other uh, fiberglass that's out there. So it's a great rod. But for Jeremy's situation and somebody in Jeremy's shoes, I would go towards a graphite rod. And the Risen Fly Genesis, the three-way, it's an 
awesome rod. I absolutely love that fly rod. I've got a review of it on the website, both a video and uh, and some commentary. But for under 100 bucks, it is just a killer little fly rod. Um, it, it can throw those tight loops. It is a very a delicate rod. And for the price, it really just can't be beat. So uh, I would I would put anybody who is in Jeremy's situation uh, in that direction. I would say go check out a, a medium fast graphite fly rod. And if you want to find something that's affordable, the Risen Fly Genesis is, is a great example of a rod like that. Um, but this is an excellent question um, because graphite and fiberglass each have their pros and cons. And I fish lots of each of them. But if you are just getting started, my my money and, and and you want some of the situations and circumstances for fly fishing that jeremy recommended smaller water tighter uh, confines then i would definitely steer someone towards uh, graphite especially to if you are a beginning or a kind of a novice caster uh you you can learn a lot quicker and better i believe with uh with with graphite but we need to talk more about casting it doesn't make for great radio so that's usually why i i don't do it i guess but um, people want to know. And uh, I think if you hear something or say something, uh, then that can get you started on a uh, on a journey towards making better casting instruction choices and practice. And so maybe we'll talk about it in the near future. All right. The next email is from M. This is what M writes. And this is actually unique. I've only gotten like two or three emails like this in the nearly seven years that I've been doing casting across. So I definitely wanted to share it because it's really cool. The subject of M's email is an unsolicited review. At first, I thought it was about me and kind of got nervous, but I guess I asked for accusations. But here it is. I did a three-day, two-night guided rafting fishing trip down the Lower Deschutes River during the May 22 salmon fly hatch outfitted via Deep Canyon Outfitters out of Bend, Oregon. The guide, Brendan Cushion, is the real deal. He's a passionate and expert angler. He shared deep appreciation for and knowledge of the landscape. He's a patient and authentic person. If In any industry, there can be a lot of distraction and noise, but in all fields, people fuel the industry and its growth, so I felt compelled to send this in hopes of planting a bug in someone's ear. M, that is a fantastic email. I have no plans to get to the West Coast. I have no plans to get to Oregon. I certainly have no plans to go fishing on the Lower Deschutes River, but I'm happy to get this information and I'm happy to pass it along in this context in the chance that somebody in the casting across fly fishing audience is interested in doing this very thing. And they're looking for somebody like you mentioned, an outfitter like you mentioned. Um, I agree. You know, leaving a, a, a review is nice uh, on Google or on Yelp or something like that. But word of mouth travels much faster and it has a much greater impact. And so I'm not saying that you you should take M's word, uh, you know, whole cloth without doing your, your homework, but that can be a really important aspect of putting you in the right direction. I know that there has been guides that I have chosen for the reasons that M has mentioned, uh, their, their ability to talk about what's around you uh, outside of the fly fishing, to talk about nature, to talk about history. Uh, that they are good teachers. When I pay someone to uh, to take me fly fishing, I don't want them to just show me where the fish are uh, because the next day I might go by myself and I want to have something that I can take with me that maybe was explicit. Do this better. Aim in that spot 
more, you know, in, in a different direction. Uh, change change your casting stroke. Uh, if they just say, cast there, cast there, cast there, and they don't give any sort of explanation or explicit uh, advice, it's all implicit, then uh, as I'm just struggling to not get yelled at by my my guide, as I'm thinking about catching the fish or not, not catching the last fish that I missed or whatever, then I might miss on some of those implicit, subtle uh, um, encouragements or educational opportunities. So to have a guide uh, that is going to give you the kind of education, but also the a well-rounded trip. And particularly if you're taking a multi-day trip, two to three days uh, like M did, you're going to want somebody that is able to offer the full package. If they're a spectacular fishing guide, but they can't put you on something comfortable on the side of the river and their cooking makes you ill, then the fish aren't going to matter that much on day three. Uh, that doesn't happen too frequently. Usually folks don't stay in business too long if they can't provide the total package, particularly because of the premium price that's involved. But M, I really appreciate it. And I would just put the call out. If anyone else has a guide, an outfitter, an instructor, a program, that you think is worth me sharing or worth me knowing about personally, then please don't hesitate to let me know. I am always excited to hear about good people doing good things. Um, when I when I go to fly fishing shows and I talk to people about casting across and maybe potentially being uh, fit into an article or, or, or a podcast or a review or something like that, that's what I say. I am always happy to talk about good people doing and making good things. So if the, you as the audience have something that you want me to pass on, it could be a guide, it could be an outfitter, it could be a product, it could be a book, anything like that, please don't hesitate to let me know. I'd be happy to check it out and then pass it on. The last comment that I will interact with today comes from Natman. Natman is apparently Marty's nom de plume, or maybe it's like uh, nom de river, uh, because it sounds like Marty has spent some time fishing in South Central Pennsylvania, one of my favorite places to fish, a place that was instrumental in my angling upbringing. But this is Marty's comment on an older article that I wrote called uh, Throwback Gear Review Teton Reel. I'll mention this again in a moment, but that series of articles, the Throwback Gear Review, it's me reviewing gear that's anywhere between 15 and 25 years old, maybe even older than that in some cases, uh, because there's people that still are, are looking for gear and are happy to buy used. And so if I can give a I've been using this for 20 years review as opposed to some of the stuff that I've been using this for two weeks or maybe, you know, two seasons, then I'm happy to do that. Plus, it's a little bit of an opportunity for like a love letter to a piece of gear that's been near and dear to my heart. I mean, there's gear I've had for 20 years, for 25 years. I'm not writing any reviews about it because it's simply there. It is yet to be replaced or it has been replaced. It's just in the back of a shelf. But something like my Teton Reel, I still use. I love it. It's a, it's a reel that I use for a steelhead. It's a reel that I use in the salt. And uh, so Marty wrote this, Matthew. Thank you so much for the review. I cannot relate to your eight weight, but I've been a proud and very happy owner, all caps, of the two three weight for, I guess, 20 years or so. It has served me very well, and it has seen limestone legends like Ed Shank, Ed Koch, Donnie Holbrook, Gene Utech, and Gene Shetter see me bring many spicky South Central Pennsylvania trout to hand. It very well may be buried along with me while clutched in my arms, along with my favorite six foot two eight rod, Marty, aka Natman. Well, Marty, I am. I, I, I guess I can't say jealous because I, I fish along some of those guys as well. It's just exciting to hear kind of all of these points of continuity 
that were brought about by talking about gear. And I guess I wanted to use uh, Marty's uh, uh, comment in the waning moments of the podcast to mention a little bit about why I talk about fly fishing gear so much. First and foremost, it's necessary. Uh, You can't reel in a fish without a reel. You can't hold line without a reel. You gotta have one. And whether it's a $5 cheap plastic one that you get off Amazon or one of these beautiful hand-painted Ables that runs like 500 bucks, you need one. And so you're somewhere in that spectrum, right? But secondly, that piece of gear goes with you. And although it doesn't define moments, it is an accompaniment as you are in those moments. So Marty listed off a couple of guys that I have a lot of respect for in the fly fishing world. Ed Koch, Ed Shank, Gene Utech, guys that I've, I've met, guys that I've fished alongside of. And Marty had an experience with those men with that Teton reel. And so even though I wrote a review about saltwater version and he had a tiny little trout stream version, we're able to say, this is how I use mine. Great, this is how I use mine. And to have that connection that doesn't stop with check out this cool kind of gunmetal blue reel, but goes beyond that and says, here's what I did with it. Here's who I met while I was using it. Here are the memories that accompany it. That that's what makes it all worthwhile. So rewinding very, you know, quickly to my first email from Jeremy, you know, you're gonna buy that risen fly uh Genesis uh seven and a half foot three weight, Jeremy, or whoever else wants to buy one. And it is going to be a tool for catching small fish, you know, little trout out of uh, out of mountain streams. But what's going to come with that? It may very well be one particular small fish. It may be a day filled with small fish. It may be a day where you have that rod and you were using it to the best of your ability and no small fish wanted to play. It might be a day where there's plenty of fish, plenty of scenery, but it was with a person It was a moment where you had a good conversation and that rod happened to be there. And that is what makes fly fishing gear special in a way that really transcends a lot of other stuff, I would say, because it is a conduit for moving you from uh, where you are to this fly fishing adventure, this fly fishing moment, this fly fishing journey, whatever you want to call it. And it's a necessary piece to get you to what's more important. So whether it be a fly reel that has uh, changed hands a number of times, excuse me, a fly reel company that's changed hands a number of times, like Teton, whether it be an old Orvis bat and kill fly rod, like my my buddy is is uh, just now playing with that was passed down from his wife's grandfather. I mean, these are really cool pieces that are not the end, but they're part of the journey. So Marty, thanks for getting a hold of me. Marty actually reached out again to ask about some fiberglass rods that he cannot have. Nobody can have them. I'm sure there's a price, but uh, like I told him, um, I'd, I'd prefer a trade uh, than than to, to sell stuff like that, to find something that we both could benefit from. So anyway, thanks for reaching out, Marty. Thanks for reaching out, Jeremy. Thanks for reaching out, M. And if anyone else has any questions, comments, or accusations about anything fly fishing, anything casting across, or anything that you think might tickle my fancy, let me know. Matthew at castingacross.com. Happy to have that conversation. Real quick, here's what happened this week on castingacross.com. The first article was called The Creek, and The Creek is a retooling of an article that came out a few years ago, and it's about finding a stream that I'd driven over dozens, if not hundreds of times. 
And uh, I originally wrote it, I think, 2019, and it was more about rock bass then. Uh, I, I redid it after thinking about it and realizing, you know, the rock bass, kind of like I was just saying with gear, they were awesome, but the creek was more special than the fish themselves. Uh, so I redid the article. I made it a little bit shorter, and I cleaned up some what I perceive to be cumbersome language and to make it a little more streamlined now. So check that out, and then there's a link at the bottom of that. You can read the original article uh, at castingcross.com uh, called Rock Bass and RC Cola. So the creek, although it might be a vague title, is also a little bit more concise than Rock Bass and RC Cola. And Wednesday's article is called Rusty Flybox Outside the Fly Shop. Now, this is working on two levels because it is being written outside of a fly shop, which I'll talk about more next week. But it's also about gear that you can pick up that isn't necessarily fly fishing gear, but can be really helpful to your fly fishing. This is a theme that I've talked about quite a few times in Casting Cross because I grew up doing a lot of different outdoor gear and I, some of the stuff that I didn't know any better that I was supposed to buy the fancy fly fishing version of this particular piece of gear. I, I just continue to use my camping version or my hiking version or my conventional gear version or my, my Ace hardware version. So I'm talking not so much about the, the, the really kind of mundane stuff, but more camping, hiking, uh, paddling stuff that I've brought into fly fishing in, in this week's uh, Rusty Flybox post. This week's recommendation on casting across, I'm going to recommend that you reach out, that you do what I've talked about a few times. Reach out to me or somebody else. If you want to interact with a fly shop, or if you want to act with another podcast, a author, then do so. Send them an email. I know I like to hear it, and I'm like small potatoes, but I know from being friends with and being acquainted with some of the bigger names in fly fishing that they love to hear it just as much as me. So reach out. I'm Matthew at castingacross.com. I'd love to hear your feedback in your in your comments. But reach out to somebody. Reach out to that podcaster. Reach out to that author, that blogger, that guide, whoever, and ask them a question. Give them some feedback. Just say, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. And that's awesome stuff. And so, again, it can be me. But if it's somebody else, then I'm just as happy about that. And tell you what, let me know who it was. So I guess I get to get it regardless. But that's my recommendation for this week. Reach out to somebody. I'm, I'm going to do that today for something that I thought of as I was doing this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Casting Cross Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and then rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to Casting Across for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. <laughs> <laughs>